uh, whatever voice, whatever ability he's given us, just saying, God, we're going to use that today in those moments and that time just to pour our hearts out to you. Um, and so I've, uh, I feel like we've already been to church, um, and I'm excited uh, to continue to, to dive into God's Word here as we continue our sermon series, uh, uh, going through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we're, this is our third sermon in this series, uh, and we've made it to verse 7 out of three chapters, uh, so we're going to have a good time. Uh, it's the second part of what is, I guess, a mini-series inside of the series, as we've worked, we're working way, our way through Jesus' introduction and how he starts his Sermon on the Mount, uh, known as the Beatitudes, and many of us have heard of it, um, where he talks about how his people are blessed, where he gives, he gives the characteristics, the attitude traits of his people, of, as his disciples were coming to him. And as I thought about this last week, I kind of shared that this was, this was a time when Jesus was seeing all these multitudes that were following him to some leaders that can help get out and reach uh, the multitudes. And it was almost like a staff retreat, right? He, he brought in his disciples, his closest followers up on the mountain uh, at this point and kind of tried to get away from the multitudes. Uh, from what I've read, most people think there was probably some that struggled along, were sneaking and listening from the back and could hear what Jesus was saying. But for the most part, this sermon uh, was directed toward his disciples, and so this was that staff retreat. He starts out, really, if you're an organization, many organizations will have what they call their core values. These are the core things we believe that drive how we act and what we're going to do. And that's really how he starts out his sermon. This, he says this it starts out with, blessed are the poor in spirit. All right, And we said that this was almost flipping the script. Many of these things were contrary to the culture at the time. And not surprisingly, still contrary to our culture. That these values uh, are the important ones to Christ, but they're many times uh, at contradiction uh, or uh, clashing with what the world will teach us or is asking us to do. Uh, I titled the sermon uh, last week, Hashtag Blessed. This is Hashtag Blessed Part 2. If you weren't here last week, I went through a couple. Uh, I went on Facebook and did a quick search for Hashtag Blessed and looked at what people uh, had included in their post and used hashtag blessed on. Uh, real quick r reminder of that, if, if you were here, and uh, just to get your mindset in the right place, if you, you missed last week, uh, but these were, these were a couple of things. One said, uh, new home, new pool. Um, one said, grandkids coming over. One person got a new job. Uh, one person was going fishing and hunting. Uh, and then the blanket that one person got for Christmas with their fraternity letters on it. That's a picture of that blanket and their, their fraternity letters and uh, said hashtag blessed. And we talked about when Jesus is talking here in his sermon, he's saying blessed. He's talking about a type of happiness, a type of joy uh, that exists regardless of conditions. But we find in our hearts, our natural state is to yearn for happiness. And we yearn and try to create happiness through conditions. And so if we look at what we typically would put on Facebook and say, hashtag blessed about, those are all conditions. So we have to ask ourselves, but what if those things go away? What if we lose our health? What if we lose our home? What if we, what if we lose a family member? Can we still rest in the joy of Christ regardless of circumstances uh, and conditions? Um, so, uh, and, and here's another piece of this, is that some of those things, some of those conditions... While we'll say we're blessed by them, they can actually 
uh, become idols in our life. The things that we think are good things, we can actually get to a point to where we idolize those and put those and the reward of those above our relationship with Christ. So it's some, uh, some things that Jesus is teaching here that's just blowing these disciples' mind uh, as they've been taught by the Pharisees and all the other people about how you should look right and you should have this external appearance of doing right uh, and that you should be powerful and that the Messiah is going to be powerful and a king that, that, of, of which power the world has never seen and he's going he's to defeat Rome and he's going to kick them out of Jerusalem. Like They had all these things in their mindset and then Jesus starts saying, you should be poor in spirit. You should be meek. You should be mourning. You should be heartbroken about The, the, the things that are going around you in your community that are bad, the bad things that are happening uh, to other people. You should hunger and thirst after righteousness, internal righteousness, not just uh, obeying some rules. You should have a change of heart. Um, so we went through the first four last week, and I kind of went through them in more detail than I wanted to. I realized I went over 40 minutes, and a lot of it was, uh, was digging into some of those... Some of those um, uh, some of those characteristic traits. I'm not going to do that as much this morning. I'm going to kind of go through the next four. And then uh, occasionally my full-time job uh, it will intersect with some of the things that I'm feeling God moving in, in our life here at the church. And so I had one of those experiences this week. And so the last half of the sermon, I'm just going to share some things uh, from this week uh, that I just uh, I felt God saying, hey, uh, your congregation needs to hear these things, um, so we're, we're going to kind of we're going to do that. Um, so let, let's work our way uh, through these um, as we figure out at the core. When we talked about two weeks ago in the introduction that the kingdom of heaven is God's people, right? It's authority in people's hearts. That the core of what Jesus is trying to get us and is that righteousness is not just on the outside; it's about What's on the inside? He goes on to say, yeah, I know in the Old Testament it said, uh, it said murder is wrong. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not murder. But actually, it's the anger that leads to murder that's sin. Like you can sin in your heart and nobody even know it. And so he's teaching them this deep thinking about how their heart has to change. Um, and, and that's at the core of what he's uh, wanting to do. Many of you may have saw, if you have Facebook and you're friends with me or Bethany, this week, she put the awfulest post on Facebook, uh, if any of you seen it, about me. It was this, I mean, just, uh, it was really mushy, you know, some of those posts. And, uh, and, I, and I put on there, and I've told several people that I'm still working to rebuild my tough guy persona after she put all that, all, all that stuff on it. Because I had one of those before, right? All y'all thought, that's a tough guy up there. Um, but what, what you find is, you know, she shared a lot of those things. She even shared it, you know, hey, we're not perfect, um, and I'm by no means perfect. And, uh, but many of those things can become external, right? They look, you, you, you can put on a show. And that the external things are important is what Christ's saying, but absent a connection to sincerity in your heart, they're not life-changing and they're not eternal impacting. And... Uh, so, you know, yesterday we had a little disagreement, and I said, but you remember what you put on Facebook? You said I was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, you know, um, 
And so I'm going to use that against her several times, you know, just consistently. It's like, I just go read your post if you're worried about, you know, what you think about. Um, but I'm thankful uh, for my wife. I'm thankful for the family God has given me. Uh, he has worked through them in an amazing way. Um, let's look at these characteristics real quick. And then I want to share what's, uh, what's, what's on my heart for this morning. Uh, we'll read, oh, real quick, just to get our mindset. Uh, Jesus is not teaching this sermon in a room uh, with PA systems and PowerPoints and technology. Uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples on the side of a mountain uh, overlooking the Sea of Galilee. I, I want you to understand how this, this changes your mindset. If you could go back and be in that time overlooking that water. Anybody overlooked water before, an ocean or a lake? And you find the peace that's there? Maybe you find this connection to the creator that you think as Jesus is talking to this, it, it says for in the beginning was the word that he was there when his father formed that very ocean and that water. And now he's sitting there talking to his disciples around it, seeing the big picture, knowing all that God is doing, knowing your name, knowing my name, and he's there sharing this story. And they could look about out over that water and just reflect and think, God, this is, you're changing me right now. My hope is we leave this morning saying, God, you're changing me right now. Even if we're a Christian, that we see deeper into who he is and we grow closer with him. We say, God, my heart is yours. Change it. Continue to change it uh, to be more like yours. I don't know about you, but seeing that picture helps me put that in perspective. Uh, so let's read, starting in Matthew 5, verse 7. We'll read through these, and I'm going to take them one at a time. And for everybody who's worried that I might not have brought the cursitudes back this week, I did. Uh, those of you that enjoyed that last week, we'll take a look at each one and, um, and see what the opposite, the antithesis of what Jesus is saying, uh, what that would be. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 7 uh, says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That one really gives me chills. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He really finishes, in verse, if you go back to verse 3, when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, he says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He gets to verse 10 and really sums this up. It says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11 and 12 says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That is wrapping this up. Jesus is wrapping this part of his, his talk up, his introduction. He's wrapping it up by saying, hey, you're going to believe in me. You're going to live different than the world. People are not going to like that about you. Uh, it's going to require some perseverance. Um, but I want you to look back. You're not the first one to go through this. Uh, we, can, we can look at people in our own lives, maybe parents, grandparents, generations of people who had faith in Christ and cross the finish line. Uh, you know, as Paul said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. 
um, and see how God, even though they went through tough times, we go through the Old Testament and the, uh, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, uh, at the beginning, it, it, says, uh, it says, let us see this great cloud of witnesses that are gathered around us. When, when the race gets hard, look at the cloud of witnesses, those that have gone before us that have fought the good fight of faith. And then he says this beautiful thing. He says, run the race that is set before you. And for me, that speaks to the sovereignty of God, that he's given us each a race to run, like purpose. Run the race that is before you. He tells us to, to get rid of all the sin that's so easily besetting us, that's slowing us down. And then he reminds us, when you really get tired in the race, when you get disgruntled, when you get frustrated, Look at the greatest example, and that's Christ on the cross. And the price that Jesus paid and the struggle that he went through, the, the, the pain, the misery uh, for each and every one of us. And he says, that'll give you the motivation to carry through. So as Jesus is teaching here, let's first look, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And uh, I'm promising I'm not going to spend each time on each one of these uh, this morning as I did last week. I think it's important to look at them. Um, th this really means a, a forgiving spirit, a compassionate heart. Um, it, it is a, uh, a and I, th I think the best thing I read about this one, uh, and helped me understand it, is that, uh, this sentence that said, if we struggle showing mercy, if you struggle showing mercy and compassion, and we're going to talk at length really about this one at the end, um, then we've probably struggled receiving mercy from Christ. That if we're struggling to show compassion on other people, that we've probably not really rested in the truth of what God's forgiveness and mercy on us means. Does that make sense? Because if we truly understand God's mercy to us, then it becomes really difficult to be judgmental and, and incompassionate and uncaring about other people. And so as, as, uh, as Jesus is teaching these, and as I first read them, you, you want to read them as like, oh, if I'm poor in spirit, then I get this. And if I'm mourning, then I get this. And if I'm merciful, then I get mercy. Uh, but these are not always directly related, right? The, this is about giving their heart to Christ and their believers, Okay, the first of each of these verses are the attitudes of those people. The second part of it are the benefits we get of being a child of God. We're, we're, we're shown mercy. We become part of his family. We become part of the kingdom of heaven. We're shown, uh, we're, we're shown mercy. Uh, we, uh, um, we're comforted. All these things are part of being his children. And so are the other. These are not, oh, if I get one, I'm going to do this and get more of that. These are a summary of who we are in him. And so we've been shown mercy, therefore we should be merciful. We should have a tender heart. We should have feelings. I struggle with having feelings. Anybody else, any other men struggle with having feelings? You may say no, but your spouse will say yes. That we are logical people, we're problem solvers, you know, uh, when, when, when Bethany's going through something uh, difficult or her feelings are hurt or she's upset, uh, I, I, my first resort is not to just have feelings. 
I have way more feelings because of Christ. She put it in the post. I cry in Hallmark movies. I mean, that is one I'll never be a man again. That was between me and her. But Jesus says we should have feelings. We should care about what's going on around us. This, this, this mercy for me is compassion. You cannot have compassion for your neighbor. You cannot have compassion for your family, for your community, if you don't care. And when we're anchored in Christ, we will deeply care about the future of our neighbor. We will care. This is... Um, a worldly value that this uh, clashes against a bit is this strength without feeling. The world teaches we should not be beat down by what's going around us. Like, just think about yourself, push through. Uh, you, you can be, you're strong out of this. Just push through it, ignore it, move on. It, fight for you. Don't fight for the person beside you. Don't care about what's happening around you. Uh, this is the cursitude, not Matthew 5, 7. Cursed are the merciless. For it will come back to them. Cursed are the merciless, for it will come back to them. We don't show mercy. We don't accept mercy, and we don't show mercy. Eventually, someday, it will come back to us. Verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Uh, The pure in heart... Hey, this is getting right to it. This is getting right to the whole core of what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples here. Uh, It says, blessed are you when you get your inside world set right, your heart and your mind. How many times uh, does the Bible say that Christ, the Holy Spirit, can renew your mind? It says to get your mind under control, your thoughts, and put it under subjection of him. It says to, 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 if you're going to think about things, think about right and just and pure and holy and good. That he can give us a new heart. He said, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are you when you get your inside world uh, set right. And see, uh, when things are right here, we got this reward. It says, for they will see God. When you give your heart to Christ and you, you, you've become a, a, a part of his family, you get this connection to him. I think it means we can see him in the present tense. I think there's times... We, we can see him working, not only in the present, but especially in the past. We can look down our life, and we have to believe that, that everything is the, it was brought us to this point, that God was in the middle of all of it to bring us closer to him. And that when we are right on the inside, we can see God in the present, and, and someday we'll be face-to-face with him in heaven in eternity. We'll get to look at him. We'll get to talk to him. We'll ask him questions that we're hungry to have answered uh, right now. But it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Here's the cursitude, not Matthew 5. Cursed are the impure, for they will only see darkness. Absent a new heart in Christ, darkness is all you'll ever see. What is hell? Hell is eternal separation from God. To know I had a chance, but I didn't, and now it's too late. I think that is worse than any of the pain that you might feel. 
Cursed are the impure, for they will only see darkness. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemakers, this is not, uh, what's the famous uh, um, uh, pageant answer? You know, what is one thing you want? World peace, right? That's what everybody says. It's not necessarily uh, that, that we are going to create world peace. This is a person who, uh, this is an attitude, and it should be the attitude of every Christian, uh, that we are able to help people cooperate better than compete and fight. That we really should, even if it's in our family, if it's at work, if it's in the church. Uh, like, we should have a heart that seeks after, uh, seeks after peace. Peace, uh, we want people to have peace internally with God. We want to have peace with people. That in our heart, we should be a person that seeks after peace. Uh, now, that's not always true. Some of us are rebel rousers. Some of us are gossipers. Some of us are, you know, it's the exact opposite of that right? It's we create discord or discontent, and that is not after Christ's heart. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Kind of a contrary worldly uh, part of this is that uh, personal peace is pursued without concern for the world's chaos, that we just want our own peace. We just want peace and quiet for ourselves. We don't care about anybody else uh, and we're really not helping create any type of peace in the environment directly around us the cursitude curse are the troublemakers for they will be left unclaimed when the bible says we will be called the children of god the, the bible speaks at length about adoption that christ adopts us that the, our father heavenly father adopts us into his family that when we have faith in Christ, that we become part of his family. We, we become part of his chosen people, and we've been uh, adopted. We've not been left unclaimed. He's claimed us. He's got room at his house for us, uh, and we're part of his family. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I think what he's, uh, what Jesus is really saying here is that if there's sincerity in your heart, you're going to push push through the persecution, uh, which is against kind of again the worldly nature. It says, man, if it's that hard, if it's that bad, if people are, are giving you that hard a time over it, let's just do something else. It's creating too much strife for you. Uh, but Jesus is saying, I'm not looking for people with a weak commitment. That I'm not looking for a, what's the fair weather fans, right? I turned the UK game on yesterday with 12 minutes to go. Anybody that watched the game, when I turned it on, they were down by 18, right, at 12 minutes to go. Rosie was sitting there. She was like, yep, they're going to lose. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I remember, uh, I remember LSU. I remember that game when they played LSU at LSU. It's probably been 20 years ago now, but they were down by 30 or something at halftime. Came back and I thought, this could be one of those games. This could be fun to watch. And so I said, I'm just going to I'm gonna leave it on and watch and see what happens. We just got home. We're eating lunch. And it's, it just started progressing. Got it down to 14, 12, 10, 8, 6. I'm like, they're going to come. They're going to come back and win this. And sure enough, you know, they came back. The only lead they had 
was by one point basically when the buzzer went off. I mean, it was just one of those. It was a, it was a movie game, right? You felt like you were watching a movie, like it was a scripted, like this is going to happen. Uh, but a fair weather fan would have just turned it off at 18, right? They go home, and you see them. If you're watching the game on TV, like, man, people are already getting up and going. To, they'd rather get, be the first one out of the parking lot than stick it out. That's not what Christ is looking for. Christ is not looking for followers who, when everything is good and all the conditions are right, that we are in over our head, that we are totally dedicated. But as soon as it gets rocky or difficult or tough, that we head to the parking lot. He is saying, you're going to be blessed. You're going to find joy in this. And then he goes on to say, why? Because look at all those that have gone before you. They're now celebrating. They finished the race, and it was worth it. Danny used to sing a song, it'll be worth it after all. And how true is that? Um, all right, so those are the, the four things. Oh, the curse of two for not Matthew 5.10. Cursed are those who have gained prominence through immorality, for their end will be one of obscurity. That one's a lot of big words. I don't know if that's helpful or not, but it's in there. Got you the last one. Um, so let's spend just a minute here. Uh, on this, on, on chapter 5, verse 7, I just want to share uh, a couple of things that, that happened to me this week that uh, I want to share with you. Uh, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And I uh, ask you this question. I want to start here um, and, and just say, do we care? Do we care? Uh, I want you to kind of think about that as I go through this. Um, so we had this event this week at the University of Pikeville. Uh, and by we, I mean SOAR and several, Operation Unite, several other partners. Um, and I'm, I've pulled like 10 slides from a lady who gave a presentation uh, that day. And I'm going to give her credit at the beginning. And it's some data. You're not allowed to go to sleep. I promise it's going to be good. Um, but this event that we've, well, this is the third year we've done it. And it's called, uh, God, it's got the longest name. This is, we do a lot of events. This one's the longest. Uh, provider Education for substance use disorder, and uh, I think there's other names in there, but what it's really about is for the medical students at UPIC and other practicing doctors, nurses, pharmacists, social workers, uh, we bring them all together, and then we bring kind of the, the, the most pressing research experts around addiction to talk to them about how to deal with it. Now, there's not one person in this room that can say, yeah, addiction's not touched my family or my community or my neighborhood. It's an epidemic. In the region um, and so we bring these speakers together to help our practicing physicians doctors understand their role in helping solve this problem um, and so we we had a speaker there her name is uh, Connie White and I think I've got her information here. yeah uh, y'all can't zone out here I promise this is gonna this is gonna be good it connects to what we're doing um, and uh, but for the last three years I sit through it I cry almost every time uh, and then I forget about it, right? I, think, I don't take it and, and use it uh, like I should. And so I want to, yeah, I cried again. See, I'm telling on myself. Uh, uh, but I want to share with this. She, she, she reports back on this research she did on a thing called uh, Adverse Childhood Experiences. Uh, and the acronym is ACE, A-C-E, ACEs. And, um, and she just shares the research, and they've, they've built this 
this survey, this test, where they ask 11 questions, and I'm going to get to the summary uh, here in a minute. Um, but these, these things, if, if there's, a, there's 11 questions, and if four of them, if a child can answer yes to four of them, I want to share some of the data of how it impacts their life going forward. Now, all of us in here, we're either a child or we are a child. And you can answer some of these questions. I'm going to share a little bit in just a minute um, about this. Uh, this is, uh, this is the, the, a scan of uh, two different two-year-olds. Um, one is in a, a normal loving home where people care for it. Um, and it has connected with a parent or uh, someone who shows it love continually. Uh, the other one is in a, uh, is a two-year-old that is not in an abusive home, but is in, um, in a uh, uh, like foster care or in uh, an orphanage, uh, where they take physically, they take care of it. They come in, change its diaper every two hours. Uh, they feed it. It's going without anything, but it's not had that loving connection. This is at two years of just the difference of those two things of the brain development and activity uh, that's happening. It's a critical period in a, in a child's life. The ACEs really talk about toxic stress that children experience and how it impacts them going forward. And uh, the reason I think this is so critically important for us to understand as a church, for you to understand as a believer, for you to understand as a citizen of this community uh, is, uh, I can't remember the last stat, but something like 900 uh, children in Pike County are homeless. That doesn't mean they're living on the streets, but it means day to day, they don't know where they're going to sleep the next night. They're staying with an aunt one night, they're staying with a grandparent one night, they're staying with a friend or they stay with a friend until a friend forces them to go home, uh, go somewhere else, and they, they don't know where they're going to stay. That number is a magnitude, and it has a tremendous impact on those children, okay? And so I'm going to share a little bit about that, but toxic stress of what children go through. Uh, this is the module. These are the, the categories of the 11 questions, things that if they happen to you while you're a child... Um, they drastically impact you going forward. Uh, the first one is physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, uh, presence of a mentally ill household member, alcohol or drug abuse in the household, incarcerated household member, violence between adults in the household, and parental divorce or separation. These are the ACEs. All right, that's, I'm not going to put the questions up. I can get you the questions if you want them. And here's what was amazing. At this event, we had probably about 500 people there in person uh, and several hundreds more that were streaming the event. Um, and we put some of the questions up on this tool we call Slido where we put the question up on the screen and everybody can get on their phone and immediately anonymously answer the question. And so out of these professionals, right, in this room, we would ask questions that was related to uh, physical abuse, 75 yeses. in that room of people who probably never told anybody that before, right? That we're all carrying stuff internally that happened to us as a child that impacts us as an adult. And so uh, that was really eye-opening for me as she went through it. This is some of the, uh, 
This is just some of the data. Now, you got to hang on. You're like, this is not the Sermon on the Mount. Where has he gone? He's flipped his lid. Um, I promise I'm going to come back. This is the A score. So if they ask 11 questions and you answer yes on four or more of those, that's red. Uh, five, or, or five or more is blue. And so this is just some of the things they found. Early initiation, of, if you start smoking early, you can, you can see that. If you've had five or more ACEs, you're almost 25% more likely to start smoking early. And it goes down by the number of these experiences you have in your childhood. Alcohol use and abuse. Four or more, you see the high rate of likelihood of alcoholism, of marrying an alcoholic. Teen pregnancy, chronic depression, even chronic disease, heart disease, diabetes. If as a child you experience four or five or more of these, your rates increase for chronic diseases. That one, I, heart disease, 2.2 times more likely to have heart disease. 1.9 times more likely to have any cancer. 1.6 times more likely to have diabetes, 17 times more likely to have learning and behavior problems in school. Now, I got some teachers in here that are saying, yes, I see this, I get this, I understand. My wife, Bethany taught for four years, taught high school, and I remember her saying, and we were talking about it this morning, her saying, all this work we're doing, you know, SOAR and everything we're trying to do, uh, We've got to reach the hearts of the children. And I didn't, un I understood it, but I didn't understand it, if that makes sense. Having an A score of four increases the risk of emphysema or chronic bronchitis by nearly 400% and attempted suicide by 1,200%. People with a high A score are more likely to be violent, to have more marriages, more broken homes, more drug prescriptions, more depression, and more autoimmune. I mean, just, you get, you get the point that there are children all around us right now in our community, some that come on Wednesday night on a bus that would score off the charts on those 11 questions. In Kentucky, different age groups, on average, in Kentucky, about 20% have a high prevalence of ACEs. One-fifth, if you take that math to this room, we've been averaging about 170, let's say 150 for easy math. So 30 people, 30 people in this room are dealing with things that you're struggling with right now and you don't understand why. It's because of things that happened to you as a kid. Look at the drug epidemic. What's Kentucky like? And we live in Kentucky, and we are the worst part of Kentucky. Um, children in kinship care. We're number one in the U.S. 7% of our kids aren't living with parents. Time for third in the nation of children in care of grandparents. We have some here. Two, Rosie's two best friends growing up with grandparents as parents. Number one in the nation for children with a parent incarcerated. Number six in the nation for child poverty, 26%. Uh, this type of poverty leaves a mark on our genome, on these kids.
adverse childhood experiences are not destiny. I think that's what I took out of that, what I want to bring to you uh, this morning. Uh, we've all dealt with things. Some of us had somebody who cared enough to pour into us to help us deal with it and get us out of it. This one hit me. Every child is one caring relationship away from a success story. So I asked that question, do, do we care? And uh, I asked it about uh, not only the children, because she shared this story that I want to share with you. That kind of opened my eyes, because when she shared the story, I thought, God, we do that to people. I do that to people. I judge them without having any understanding of where they're coming from in life. And so uh, the lady that was speaking, Connie White was her name, she had practiced for 20 years as an OBGYN in the Frankfurt area. And uh, she had this patient, this lady she'd been seeing for about five years, and uh, she said, I was the typical doctor. They came in, I asked the same 15 questions. Do you smoke? Do you drink? Do you, do you exercise regularly? All these questions, right? Um, and then and when they said no on, I would make the list of the bad things they're doing to themselves and tell them they got to stop. So this lady she'd been seeing for about five years uh, was a smoker. She came in and um, and uh, the lady that was speaking said, "I just I asked her in that question. I said, are you still smoking?'" Um, and she said, "Yes." She said, "But that time, instead of diving into all the details of that and telling her, you know, you're doing this to your lungs, you're going to die. You're, everyone you smoke's two minutes off your life. You know, all the things that we typically do." Uh, she said, "I just asked her when'd you when'd you start smoking." And uh, she said, I was 10 years old. I started smoking when I was 10. And, uh, and she said, well, why, did, why would you start smoking when you were 10? We know that happens sometimes, right? Don't be surprised uh, if you find out your 10-year-old or friend's 10-year-old smoking. It happens. Uh, but she asked her that, why? And uh, the lady said, my dad hated cigarette smoke, hated the smell of it. And she said, oh, you were just being a rebellious 10-year-old. And she said, no. She said, if I smell like smoke, when he came in my room at night, he'd leave me alone. And this doctor had been teaching, every time she met with she talked about how bad smoking was. And then the, the patient said, and I taught my eight-year-old sister to smoke. I'm a bad person, aren't I? And she said, in that moment, I realized. And I said, no, you're the best big sister she could have ever asked for. You see, we want, we want to take what people are doing wrong and fix them. And judge them. And have no understanding. We want to be God in their life. Our, our responsibility is to say, yeah, you're broken. Me too. <laughs> Let me point you to a guy. Let me point you to a man who cares. Yet we want to see people who are doing wrong, doing bad, or on drugs, or stealing, or whatever. And, 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 and I asked, do we care? Because I looked at the post just this weekend. I looked at the post just this weekend. Uh, and the things that happened the last week. Last week, we had a lady here. She, she slept in the gazebo. 
the night before. Yeah, she's got mental health problems, things of, she's made bad decisions that led her to that point. But do we care? One of our uh, very own neighbors right here in Pikeville, police found her passed out in the driveway while her four-year-old kid was alone, unsupervised in the house. In Fox Bottom, where I live, Last weekend, we had a high-speed chase. What in the world? Sitting there, and we live in a little neighborhood down at Harold, and a car zooms by our house with a state trooper behind it. I mean, literally, we live in a little neighborhood with blocks. Like, it's like, what just happened? The guy was high. He was, you know, he, he had all kinds of, he didn't have a license. Do you, you know, the whole list that you would expect to see when they finally caught him up by tractor supply a real king I get those messed up all the time and honestly we probably care enough to say hey when it pops up in our news feed or we see it on the news we care enough to say hey did you see that and then we move on with life and I'm not just talking to you I'm talking to me I think God has called us to care more than that like care enough to do something about Care enough for the kids at the minimum that we're doing some concentrated effort to be the one person that cares about them, that ch could change their life forever. But we're more prone to be like Jonah and say, give them what they deserve. I just want to share this, the final thought that it's not our job to be the judge, right? It's not our job to judge people and tell them everything they're doing wrong and try to get them to do right. We can't do that. We're not God. This is what the Pharisees did. This is exactly what Jesus was teaching against. The Pharisees were just picking people out who were breaking laws, breaking rules, doing things wrong. He said, you need to do the right thing. You need to do the right thing. If you want to make God happy, you've got to do the right thing. Jesus says, don't do that. Jesus said they need a heart change. Point them to me. Let that brokenness, let their sin, admit that you had the same sin, that you struggled just like they do. And the only reason that you're any different is because I've shown you mercy. And therefore, you should have mercy on them and point them to me. They need their creator. To breathe life into them. We can be that, those hands, those feet, to love them, to set that example. I don't know how, but I know we're called to do it. And God's going to show us the way. And we can be that one caring, that one loving relationship 
Your neighbor doesn't need you to tell them what they're doing wrong. They need you to care. They need you to care about them. They need us to care about them and show that we love them because Christ loved us. In that, we can know that we're blessed. I got this song. I've never shared it before, never played it before. Um, but it's, uh, I think it speaks to the heart of uh, what God had on my heart this morning. Uh, there's one solution. When we get in those spots and those situations, that is to run to the Father. To run. I want you to listen to the words as we stand. I just want God to hit you right where you are. I don't know. I've never done that many graphs and charts and data in a sermon. That's where God put me this morning. you listen to these words I've carried a burden and maybe you got those things from a kid you carried with you those things that have affected that have impacted you I wasn't created you weren't created to bear it alone to bear it alone I hear your invitation to let it all go